The pressure to get the laity and the wayward bishops to accept Traditionus Custodis is mounting, and it's mounting by the day. Once respectable, highbrow Catholic publications with an academic bent that had reputations for stalwartly defending the faith are now being recruited to the modernist cause, and traditionally-minded cardinals are joining with the modernists in their efforts to suppress the traditional mass. When these things happen, people are tempted to embrace despair. But instead of doing that, we should keep everyone involved in our prayers and offer our Advent and sacrifices for them. So let's just dive into the story. The pressure to get the bishops and laity to accept Traditionis Custodis is mounting, and the modernists have recruited one of the best academic websites on the liturgy to their cause. And this made me sad to see, honestly. Headline from the once great homiletic and pastoral review, Shepherding the Flock Out of the 1962 Missal. Rorate Chaley called this a uh, deeply insulting headline and deeply insulting story, and you'll see why, because it is quite something, isn't it? In the Bible, Moses led the faithful out of the appalling conditions in Egypt, conditions so bad that the Lord visited his wrath upon Pharaoh. You know the story. And now the author, a Catholic schoolteacher named E. Tyler Graham, is likening the mass of the ages that goes back organically to the apostles to the state the faithful were in prior to the Moses leading them out of Egypt. A pack of Papa Francis must be Moses in this story. That's astonishing. This story is making the rounds now, so let's check out what nuggets of wisdom are contained herein that illustrates to us why we must abandon the mass that provided spiritual nourishment to the saints, and why it's so bad now. It begins by doubling down on the analogy, using some flowery biblical language to tell the bishops it's time to lead the faithful out of the desert of the traditional liturgy. Yeah, then follows it by saying, whereas Benedict permitted the Mass for the benefit of unity and enriching the faith and the rest, Francis deemed that the efforts were a failure. Standard stuff we've seen from modernist apologists for Francis and Traditionis Custodis. Then we get this, quote, As such, Pope Francis deems that the time has come for local bishops, whom he expects to internalize these fundamental changes, to implement these new developments, no more regular 1962 missile celebrations in the parish. No more denying the validity of the current missile. No more unlimited faculties for priests to celebrate it. And no more new groups celebrating it. And so on. At the same time, the document offers tremendous leeway for bishops. <laughs> okay. Article 2 boldly states, It belongs to the diocesan bishop as moderator, promoter, and guardian of the whole liturgical life of the particular church entrusted to him to regulate the liturgical celebrations of his diocese. Therefore, it is his exclusive competence to authorize the use of the 1962 Roman Missal in his diocese, according to the guidelines of the Apostolic See. End quote. I'm sure his leaving out the part where in the letter Francis said he is going to eventually end the Mass altogether was an accident, and the part where Rome must give permission to any new priest who wants to say the Mass was left out by accident as well. Happy accidents that make it appear Francis is empowering the bishops. But then here comes the real point. Why hasn't Francis really hammered the meanie doo-doo-headed trads, who couldn't help but notice that there are things in the conciliar documents that don't line up with the pre-conciliar deposit of the faith? Because, you see, ending the Latin Mass is a matter of theology, apparently, because Francis is a great theologian. Yeah. Quote, Meanwhile, it might even be worth pushing the minimality of the new liturgical discipline a bit further. Why hasn't the Pope abrogated the 1962 Missal if it is not a valid expression of the Lex Orandi? 
Why is the Pope allowing so much possibility for the faithful to keep this practice alive? Why are the bishops given so, such leeway on a matter if it is such of importance to the Pope? Although I do not want to downplay the challenges currently faced by some of the faithful who have good reasons to worship in the Mass of John the Twenty-Third, or who may experience difficulties in dioceses that have locked out the 1962 Missal, it may be helpful to look elsewhere for the deeper significance of the document. It seems to me that the major import of the motu proprio and its corresponding letter to bishops is largely theological. This would explain, for example, the primary interest in restating the current missal as the unique Lex Arandi. In the very first article, we notice that the Holy Father stresses the Lex Arandi of the current missal. He writes, the liturgical books promulgated by St. Paul VI and St. John Paul II in conformity with the decrees of Vatican Council II are the unique expression of the Lex Arandi of the Roman Rite. This, of course, is a shift away from Benedict's 2007 document, which stated that there were both an ordinary and extraordinary form of the Lex Arandi. But the phrase echoes the famous line from the Church linking liturgy to belief. Lex Arandi, Lex Credendi. Pope Francis is ultimately concerned about the rule of faith, particularly the central reflection in the letter is a magisterial teaching on the theological meaning and importance of tradition, and his theological reflection on Catholic tradition radiates out from a reflection on the Second Vatican Council to Protestantism in general, and finally, to our fundamental orientation to God. End quote. By the way, folks, stop using the term extraordinary and ordinary forms of the Mass. Francis ended all that. <laughs> anyway, they've noticed that many, many Catholics start out generally fine with Vatican II, usually possessing a hermeneutic continuity view of the Council, a view Francis has since rejected, by the way. He did so in Traditionis Custodis and its accompanying letter. But then something happens to many of the Catholics in question. They go to the traditional Mass, usually find out what the big deal is, and they do so for a few months continuously, and they see signs and things differently. They see that a real rupture has happened, that the novelties that they hear about in Vatican II are actually made manifest in the new Mass. All of this illustrated to them by the traditional liturgy and traditional preaching and traditional devotional life that goes with it. They see something that has been denied to them, and they want it, because they recognize it is, as, their, as a Catholic, their right to it. I've had a number of people write to me over the years, and they've attested to it, they let me know in the com let me know in the comments, please, if this applies to you, because it applied to me. That's how I got here in the first place. The author spends some time in his article talking about the intention of Sacrosanctum Concilium, the conciliar document on the liturgy, which speaks of restoring the liturgy, a troubling phrase if there ever was one, as the core modernist claim about the liturgy is that the liturgy had taken on too many elements that our so-called separated brethren would find troubling, and that these additions that developed organically over time should be removed from the liturgy, which should return to its ancient practice. Returning to the alleged ancient practices of the church is something the popes over the ages resoundingly rejected as an error, one that they saw giving the modernists an opportunity to rebuild the liturgy and the church not in the image of the ancient faithful, but in the image of the modernists and what they said the ancient faithful were doing. And investigations have time and again said that the reality of what the ancient Catholics did and what the modernists said they did rarely, if ever, lined up. Anything can be accomplished if you use returning to ancient forms as an excuse, and the modernists have done that, and they've done that masterfully. But then the author here says something that has already been widely discredited. He claims that Francis is doing what St. Pius V did when promulgating, quote, primum. I mean, this has been debunked resoundingly 
Pius V's document ended new forms of the Mass across the Latin west of the Church and made the rite of Rome the standard liturgical form for the entire Church outside of the Byzantine Catholics. He did the opposite of what Francis did. And the modernists are repeating the lie that Francis is doing what was done by Pius V. And if you object, you're no different than Luther by their logic. Quote, Francis further explains that to doubt the council is to doubt the intentions of those fathers who exercised their collegial power in a solemn manner, cum petro et sub petro, in an ecumenical council. In other words, there is something at stake in the current celebration of the 1962 Missal that is not simply a rejection of the council. Rather, it may go to the very foundation of the apostolic life of the church, notably in drawing the faithful into greater unity and celebrating a unique lex orandi. Francis says that I take comfort in this decision from the fact that after the Council of Trent, St. Pius V also abrogated all the rights that could not claim a proven antiquity, establishing for the whole Latin church a single Massale Romanum. For four centuries, this Massale Romanum, promulgated by St. Pius V, was a principal expression of the Lex Arandi of the Roman Rite, and functioned to maintain the unity of the Church. It is obvious that Pope Francis sees his work in the same light as Pius V, who stemmed the tide of certain currents of Protestantism with his liturgical innovations. Moreover, the current Holy Father realizes that those who reject the current missal are often doing so in a dangerous spirit akin to Protestant so-called reformers. Such a position denies the validity of the Church's authority and chooses quote-unquote tradition alone as Luther chose sola scriptura. Private interpretation of liturgical tradition is no less schismatic than private interpretation of scripture. End quote. In other words, if you object to modernism and the questionable changes made to the liturgy or to the effect the new liturgy has had on the faithful in the church, then you're no better than Luther. Truly remarkable the charity being shown here, and I'm shocked that homiletic and pastoral reviews published this dreck. There's little attempt even here to show how things are in keeping with the historical past of the church or to answer questions about the state of things in the church using a comprehensive view of the faith. And his claim here... It was destroyed by Professor Kwasniewski on his, over on his website. I mean, this is a silly claim. And this outlet published it. It's, it's shocking because they had a great reputation. Emphasis on had. I could go on and on, but I'm not going to. At least not with him. Figures like this are doing the work of trying to convince you, the laity, that suppressing the ancient form of the liturgy in favor of something truly man-made by adversaries of the church is the Catholic thing to do. And they're being empowered in doing this by, sadly, Figures like Cardinal Robert Seurat, who appears to not understand Traditionus Custodis, and I'm surprised I have to even say that. From the French version of Alatea, we get this headline. Traditionus Custodis, Cardinal Seurat defends the motu proprio. Many people are reacting with sorrow to Seurat's statement because they've noticed something that many of us have noticed in the past few years, that despite Cardinal Seurat being right on so many issues, he's right on so much, he remains steadfast with Paca Papa Francis and defends nearly everything he does. But here's Cardinal Seurat repeating the company line on Traditionus Custodis. Quote, The motu proprio Traditionus Custodis never ceases to make people react. In an interview with Le Figaro, granted on the occasion of the release of his book for eternity, Cardinal Robert Seurat, former prefect of the Congregation for Divine Worship, once again spoke about the Pope's text. I believe that Pope Francis has clearly explained his intention in the various ad limina visits by the French and Polish bishops, he recalled. Its aim is absolutely not to do away with the old liturgy. He is aware that many young people and families are intimately attached to it, and he is attentive to the instinct of faith, which is expressed in the people of God. And he reminds us, the Pope asked to apply this text with flexibility and fatherly meaning. 
He knows well that what has been sacred for so many generations cannot be despised and banished overnight. Pope Francis thus expects that the current liturgy will be enriched with the best of the old liturgy. Likewise, he clearly expects the ancient liturgy to be celebrated in the spirit of Vatican II, which is perfectly possible. According to him, it is not and must not become a pretext for the protesters of the council. End quote. The traditional liturgy is expected to be celebrated in the spirit of Vatican II. Cardinal Robert Seurat said that. If you want to read his words for yourself or the other article, I have, I have them posted on my site at returntotradition.org. That's the name of this podcast with a .org at the end. The sources will be under the heading that has the same title as this episode. Check it for yourself. It's astonishing what he said, because at the end of the day, he's joining forces with those who wish to bury the traditions of the faith. The idea that Francis isn't doing away with the old liturgy is completely incorrect. It's nonsense on stilts. In the accompanying letter to Traditionis Custodis, Francis actually says that the aim is to facilitate the return of the faithful to the so-called sole expression of the Roman rite of mass, the Novus Ordo. He said that in his own letter. That means he's going to end the Latin mass, and that phrase means that eventually he will have to end it. And I expect it before Francis's time is done. Why? Because there's no guarantee that a Francis II will follow him, despite virtually everyone expecting it, me first among everyone. Francis knows that he must finish the work of the modernists himself. It's sad to see Cardinal Robert Seurat on board with this, but it's not entirely all that surprising either if you've paid attention to the things Cardinal Seurat has done over the years. What did you think about this? Let me know in the comments, please. It's pretty clear that the forces for Francis Church are feeling necessary to promote the motu proprio months after its release, simply because the near consensus is that the document has fallen flat among many of the bishops and the bulk of the laity. So now the pressure begins, and, the, and they recruit one of the most beloved cardinals by traditionally-minded Catholics to their cause. Keep him in your prayer, prayers, please, and like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. As always, pray for the Church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.